Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Today we have Andy Lee with us, who's been on this podcast, actually was called Inside United before, and now this is the first time on The Cubic Report. He is equality leader for U.S. tax practices for a very large accounting firm, Ernst & Young, one of the big four accounting firms in the United States. Andy has been a good friend of ours for many years. We've done many things together. I just felt like with all the questions that you and I have about finances, uncertainty of the future, and with him so very knowledgeable about financial matters that we would have him speak to us today. So welcome, Andy. Thanks, Vic. Great to be here with you. Grateful to have him here. He lives in the Cleveland area, and he's here on an assignment in the Cincinnati area. So we're very grateful to have him here and to talk to us. He's staying with us. But we thought today what we would talk about are questions that all of us have on our minds. And they have to do with finances. Since he's a financial expert and does a lot of work, and I don't fully understand all the financial things that he does. I know that he's worked for Ernst & Young. My wife and I have visited and stayed with him when he worked in Poland, when he lived in Warsaw. And actually, he lived there, but he traveled to the Soviet Union or to, to Russia at that time and did a lot of financial things and has an overall knowledge and a knowledge of especially of trends. And that's what we want to do today is to talk about some things that have to do with forecasting the future and what it may mean to you. So, Andy, do you understand what we're trying to do? <laughs> I think so. I'll do my best. I'm not an investment advisor, but uh, do work a lot in the financial world with businesses of different size. So, so happy to give my perspective. Well, that's what we know, too, that you, know, you have said that you're not a financial investment uh, advisor, and so we're fully aware of that. But you also do know things that many of us are really oblivious to or don't have experience with. But we would like to know how to deal with the big question in people's mind right now with inflation. This, right now, the date today is September 13th. Dealing with inflation, things that will happen in the fourth quarter, with winter coming on, people are concerned about what they may or may not do and what certain things may be financially as far as work, employment, uh, wages, inflation, and that kind of thing. So I thought we would start with something a little bit maybe negative. That would be what are some things, Andy, that people should not be doing right now? Well, um, the list could be pretty long, I suppose. <laughs> but when I think from a financial point of view, you know, whenever you're going into somewhat uncertain financial times, the thing you want to be careful about is to not overextend yourself. I'm a big believer that the boring things in life, the things that our grandparents told us, uh, often have a lot of uh, relevance in them. And I usually go back to the basics, especially in, in, in times like this, if people are trying to be a little bit more defensive. Don't overload on debt. Don't live beyond your means. Um, make sure you're living carefully in that sense um, so that you're not taking on too many liabilities where you know, if things don't go well, you won't be able to cover it. Well, right now there could be a lot of temptations. Perhaps comment, uh, Andy, about how we should deal with temptations for big-time spending. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing that we're we're all challenged with, and especially in the world today. You know, we're all on social media. We all see what everybody of our group of friends are doing, and the the first element of that is thinking, well, why can't I do it as well? And you know, when I think about spending money, when I think about debt, one of the big things I see working with companies, all debt is not created equal, and I think that's something that we need to remember as individuals as well. So what do I, what do I mean by that? Um, there, there are things that are worth going into debt for 
if you can afford it. We get mortgages for our homes. If we buy carefully and we buy good property, the homes that we live in for 5, 10, 20 years appreciate in value. And it's worth going into debt that we can afford uh, for a mortgage like that for a home. Now, taking out debt in order to go on vacation <laughs> doesn't give you an asset that appreciates any further. And what you have is the debt that you still have to service. Your vacation is long over and the interest just keeps accruing on that. So at a very fundamental basis, I, I think we need to think about what it is that we're spending our money on and make sure that especially the large purchases, purchases that might involve going into debt should be segregated over to things that are really going to be productive assets, assets that can appreciate, assets that we need like a car to get to work and back and forth, and, and not things that are essentially expendable or that are consumed and then gone. Uh, that's typically not what you want to use debt to pay for if you can help it. Well, right now we are we kind of know those things in a way, Andy. I mean, I've been taught that you know, since since I was a kid. And, and that's very good. That's very, 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 very important. But here we are uh, right now with uncertainty. What things would you be ultra careful about? And what do you, in conjunction with this, foresee what might be happening now leading up to the election time, which we have seen kind of an improvement of things? We, we, we know they're not going to get better. What are some things to really be careful for as we head for the last quarter of this year and the first quarter of 2023? Yeah, I think if I look at what's happening with, with large companies in the world today, uh, a couple of things that I'm seeing. One is that um, companies are slowing down on hiring. Um, there have been articles out recently. Uh, Facebook is one where there's, there are articles out about Mark Zuckerberg, and he's told his employees, maybe some of you don't really belong here. You're not a good fit. Um, I know other companies that are out there in the market that had been hiring essentially anybody who's available who has the qualifications they need are now slowing down on that. So I think what we're seeing in the economy overall is a slowdown uh, beginning on the job front. And I think we want to be careful in that way to make sure if we're looking at other jobs, if we're looking to leave our job, certainly not the kind of economy that we're moving into where you want to just leave your job because you figure you can always find something in a month or so, or leaving your job to go travel for two or three months and figuring you'll find something on the other end. This, in my opinion, is a time to live a little bit, little bit more defensively um, while times are uncertain. You know, a few of the factors that are out there that, um, that are happening right now, one is the rising interest rates. Certainly in the U.S., the Fed has been committed to continuing to increase interest rates until inflation gets under control. That is going to tend to um, slow the economy down. Everyone's hoping that can be a so-called soft landing where the, the economy gently slows down, can reset a bit, and then take off again. That's not really accomplished very often. And so if it's not um, done smoothly, could lead to a recession uh, for some bit of time. And, and that means less job opportunities as well. And of course, in today's world, there's a lot of political uncertainty as well. We've seen it in high oil prices. The Europeans are seeing it in the cost of gas. So expenditures are going way up. I don't see how those costs will not in some way work their way into consumer goods as well. When you think about it, what is produced these days that doesn't have... Um, gasoline, oil, petroleum products as part of the cost, whether it's to transport the goods, whether it's to produce the goods, whether it's raw materials for the goods. And as, as those prices become higher, those goods eventually are going to start costing us more as well. One of the defensive things perhaps 
in conjunction with what you've said, one may want to question your company to see what future prospects of your company are. If they're going to be cutting back, would you be one of those people who's cutting back? Yeah, there's no doubt. Staying marketable, keeping your skills fresh um, is incredibly important. And when you go into a slowing job market, um, that's also an incredibly important thing. Another thing I was listening to in the news today was the fact that with the um, transaction market slowing, there are less mergers and acquisitions going on right now. Some of the larger investment banks are starting to lay people off. I mentioned Facebook earlier, other companies. There's, there's an increasing pressure now to get people back into the office as well. I think what we're going to start to see is in a tighter economic situation, companies that have already been somewhat eager to get their people back into the office are going to uh, use things like that as requirements perhaps to call out people who they would view as not as serious maybe or as committed to their jobs. So I would say um, being, being flexible, especially with the work from home phenomenon that could be starting to come to an end now. As the labor market starts to loosen up a bit, companies will be able to be a little more selective and and probably be a little more strict in terms of what they want out of their employees because when there are more employees available um, there are other alternatives a company can turn to so I, I think that's something to be careful of and 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 consider and you know be careful what what you expect out of your company and kind of read the tea leaves that way so that you're not uh, finding yourself on the wrong end of that I know that when I worked with the United Church of God, I was president for nine years, that uh, I saw some people getting a little bit too comfortable with staying at home. And, you know, while we allowed that because of, of the COVID situation and wanted to believe the best, I do feel like that's uh, coming to an end. I know that Elon Musk and his company said, you be here at work or get a job somewhere else. And we want to see you. We want to talk to you. And I feel that that uh, phenomenon is something which is actually, while it may make you a better producer at home and and all it is something that could be uh, very detrimental as far as just the entire culture of the company or a church for that matter of the stay-at-homeism there's something about assembling together that has a lot of value yeah i completely agree i know in in doing business over the years you know like, like you mentioned i lived in europe for six years and uh, with my family and and, and worked over there and, and i had teams that were spread out over multiple countries and certainly there was a difference in the dynamic of a team or even a relationship with individuals after you've met face to face and i think the working world is still trying to sort through what does the future really look like i think there are very few people that think in the office, nine to five, five days a week is what things will simply go back to. At the same time, though, like like you're saying, pendulum is swinging back in, in the opposite direction. And I think as we go through the next six to nine months, that expectation that something like half to two-thirds of the time will be spent back in the office is going to become more of the norm. And, and I think in a lot of respects, that's a good thing. Being face-to-face, -face, I agree with you that human-to-human face-to-face -face, uh, interaction is is powerful. We can replicate a lot of it, but we can't replicate all of it. And especially forming new relationships is certainly more challenging when you're not together from time to time. 
We've been talking about making yourself an invaluable employee. We've been talking about uh, being a person that can be relied on, a person who can be seen, a person that if they were to choose two people to go let go, they would choose the person who's the more valuable to the company and the one who not only produces but also uh, makes good for the culture of the company. Well, we've talked about things now, uh, Andy, uh, about what we shouldn't be doing. Let's talk about some things that one could proactively put on the agenda. Here's what I want to do, and here's how I'm going to uh, set forth a pattern to make myself very desirable and weather crises financially or, or whatever they may be. Yeah, so if we start maybe on the, on the job side of it, since that's what we've been talking about, in terms of making yourself valuable and weathering crises, what I always look for in employees are, are people who are willing to better themselves, to continue to learn, to be flexible in different types of situations. And I think that's a really important quality that people have, have to have, the, the willingness to get involved in different types of jobs, even if it's not specifically your job, and to learn kind of on the periphery of what you're responsible for so that you're more versatile as an employee. The other thing that I talk a lot with people um, who work for me is the idea of anticipating what's needed. The most valuable employees that I've had work for me are the ones who think around the corner, or if you use a hockey analogy, they move to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is. And those employees that really anticipate, what is it that's coming up next? What is it that I need to think about in the next step? If you're doing client or customer service work, what's the next thing that the customer is going to want or that the client is going to ask for? And how can I be prepared with that ahead of time? Those types of things, at least in the environment I work in, make an employee incredibly valuable. I had the opportunity and privilege of, got, of knowing one of the CEOs of Toro in uh, Minnesota, in the Twin Cities. Uh, one time we were talking about uh, his career, and he was volunteering about what he felt led to his coming to even the position that he did. He said he learned to cross-train with every position on the job. He made, that wasn't something that was a requirement. It wasn't in his job description, but he did that. He went to find out what they did down in manufacturing, what they did in engineering, what they did in other things, and he immersed himself in that. He may not have had the skill for that, but he wanted to learn what they did so that when they went forward with the company producing products, he was very, very knowledgeable and not just sat there knowing only his particular skill, but not understanding the technology or not understanding the process. Yeah, that completely resonates with me, I, certainly in the world I work in knowing as much as possible about different areas, even if they're not directly related to what you do at the, at the current time, incredibly important. And I think people you work for, people you work with see that, and it does set an employee apart if you're, if you're really willing to spend the extra time, understand the broader context, understand how other jobs work, and it, it enhances the way that you do your job if you know how, better how to interface with those other areas. What else, Andy, can we uh, do to enhance our being able to stay on the job in weather unfavorable economic conditions. The, the other thing I think about a lot is um, education and networking, being a known quantity in whatever area it is that you, you work in. Certainly on the education side, if you work for corporations, many corporations will um, reimburse tuition. 
And I would certainly recommend taking advantage of that to the extent that you have the time uh, in your schedule to do that. Some companies will reimburse for university classes. If you've got the time and the ability to spend time doing that, that can be incredibly valuable. Other companies will um, send you to seminars or pay for online courses that you take either directly related to your job duties or sort of a next step. And so I think that that um, willingness and initiative to continue to learn new skills that are somewhat related to the job, taking advantage of reimbursements and continuing education opportunities that employers give you um, is really valuable. I might comment here too is that I did talk to one manager about the fact that they did have in their budget for people to take classes, but he said not everybody took advantage of that. <laughs> it was there. People clamored for it. People oftentimes don't take advantage of it, but those who do really benefit. One person wanted to become a better writer, so he just took classes that taught him you know, how to write something more persuasively. And that just made him a better communicator. In fact, it made him a leader. Yeah, and I think those elements of communication are really important. Um, I've seen where I work and clients I've worked for offer Toastmaster classes, for example, as well. Because I, I think spoken and written communication and really building and developing those skills um, is the other thing that's valuable. You see a lot of people out there in the working world who have a lot of really great thoughts in their brain, but not a real good ability to convey them to another person in a way that they can understand. And I think the more that we can hone that kind of skill, uh, the better. I might say, too, that uh, in the church that I grew up with, the Worldwide Church of God and even the United Church of God to, in varying degrees, there have been clubs, there have been leadership clubs of one sort or another. In the Worldwide Church of God, they were called spokesman's clubs or ambassador clubs at Ambassador College. We don't realize, but looking in retrospect, those clubs were the vehicle that really grew the church, that really grew the leadership of the church, really grew the eldership uh, of the church, because people learned how to be able to answer quick questions, for example. They were able to put together a speech, whether it be be crystal clear, or be organized, or get the facts, or even give an attack speech about something. They, they learned how to have confidence standing in front of a group with a few techniques that made them a person of value. And I truly believe that we were, the Spokesman's Club were somewhat required as membership. I mean, everybody was supposed to be in the Spokesman's Club, which were based on the model of Toastmasters Club. I had been in Toastmasters Club for a couple of years when I was pastor actually in Kentucky. And I was amazed as to the whole format. It was the same thing, ex exactly the same thing as uh, what became Spokesman's Club. So anyway, I'm just saying is that these types of things where you can publicly be able to express yourself, or you can express yourself in writing almost anywhere you want to. We have a lot of writing we don't want to <laughs> read. But to even go through the exercise of writing a blog or writing an answer to a question, to write something with the proper tone but something that perhaps you feel passionate about in a respectful way to communicate can enhance you as a person that, here, here's a person of character, here's a person of integrity. Yeah, I, I agree completely with that. And, and I feel like I gained a lot from those old spokesman club type formats as well. And just, I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that that ability to take what's in your head and convey it to another person in a way that they're going to understand, if not be convinced, is incredibly important. And, you know, you talk about the way people express themselves these days. I think we've gotten used to, whether it's on television, whether it's in social media, we don't tend to communicate back and forth and exchange ideas 
and, and delve into what's behind people's ideas so much as we talk at each other. And, and I think developing that ability to understand where another person is coming from, form your message in a way that they're going to at least listen to, and even if they don't agree, understand what you're saying and why you're saying it, is an impre- incredibly important skill. Nowadays, too often, we're, people are just ready to put out there whatever they think, and it's sort of, well, take it or leave it. Here's what I think. I'm just going to throw it out there. And I think that that skill of being able to meet people where they are, understanding how they're coming at a topic, and starting with where they are, not where we are personally, can be incredibly powerful. Well, I think I can't agree with you more. I feel like an important aspect of leadership is one who does hear various points of view. While they may not be the one that ultimately bubbles to the surface, it is something which is part of how that consensus is formed. And a person feels, I was part of it. I contributed this part of it. They listened to me. They didn't shut me down. They didn't listen to me and then did something else. But they talked to me, and it was a good discussion. And that gives buy-in and makes you a valuable employee. Here in this podcast, we're talking about facing hard times, but a lot of it has to do with your character and to how you deal personality-wise with the challenges that are before us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to, to just jump onto what you just said, I think of different teams I've worked with, and I'll tell you, there's pretty much always somebody on the team who's just annoying <laughs> for, for some reason. But the thing that I've learned is that annoying person is usually in a certain way, the most valuable part of the team, because usually it's somebody who, for whatever reason, is willing to tell you what they think, and especially when you're wrong. And often they're the person who's willing to disagree with you when nobody else will. And there's nothing more important than having that truth teller there. And it takes that for all of us, we've got to sort of set our personality aside and be willing to listen to that feedback because I've seen this happen over and over again on teams I've worked with. I've seen it in negative ways with people who just get sick of somebody and kick them off the team, and the whole thing sort of devolves because that truth-telling goes away. And I think that element of being ready and willing to listen to people even when what they have to say doesn't sound too pleasant at the moment, and then thinking about it and considering whether or not it fits can be really important. I think that's a very, very good point, Andy, because you find annoying people being annoying and you don't want them to be annoying. On the other hand, you don't always want somebody who is just agreeing with everything you say, and then you find out two, three months later that they quit. And they had all these things that were on their mind, but they never said it. I guess I would like if somebody who was an annoying person could say it in a nice way or in a more private way or be able to have a discussion. I mean, these are all... all practices of human relations and showing respect to one another. Yeah, totally agree. And, And to go back to your original topic, you know, that's what I find in the end. Whatever kind of job you're on, there's some minimum skill that's required to have that job. What I've found is the most successful people are often not the ones who are the most skilled at doing it or have the most education. They're the ones who can execute effectively with other people. And so it includes that human relation element that you were talking about, includes a level of humility to be able to admit when you're wrong, to work together with other people. It includes the ability to have give and take, to understand when you're maybe pushing somebody too far and you need to back off 
to understand when you need to ask more of somebody. But it is, it's that, that person-to-person, that human relations side of things. In my experience, that is the differentiator between who's just gold and, and an employee you never want to lose and who's just sort of another person working for you. Well, I know in my working for years, I've had people work for me back in Worldwide Church of God and in the United Church of God. I know who the real top performers were. They were really the heart and core of a team. Of course, a lot of people are, are great. Some people just are more, they don't put themselves forward. But there are some people that know exactly how to interact with, with the boss. Not that, not that they should necessarily shy away from that, because I have had employees that I still think of right now, I see them in my mind, that could tell me that I don't think you should do it this way. Or I think you made a mistake when you made this statement. Or some, something that I had said publicly, they said, I don't think that's really serving you or the church well. But they said it in such a way to where I wanted to make the change, rather than being poked in the eyes. When you poke people in the eyes, they don't like it, <laughs> even if you're totally right. That's an enduring truth. Well, Andy, this has really been great you know, talking to you, just to get these little tidbits of knowledge from somebody who's you know, worked in industry, who's worked in uh, Ernst & Young with teams of people, and who has experience and can foresee things. I appreciate what you had to say here. Anything else you want to say? No, just it's, it's been great to be with you. Appreciate your friendship over all the years, and it's fun to do this. Well, it's been fun talking to Andy. It's been fun hiking with him as we did in the Tetons. (laughs) And uh, it's just been wonderful knowing his family. I've known his two sisters. Uh, You know, one lives in Portland and one is deceased, who I knew very well, too, is quite a musician. So anyway, and I know his parents going back to 1966. That's a long, long time ago. And so it's been wonderful talking to you, Andy. Thanks a lot. Great to be here with you. We thank you, our listeners, for joining us here today for The Cubic Report. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Pocketcaster, as well as many other podcasting platforms. You can easily find us on any browser address bar by simply typing in the words, The Cubic Report. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your impressions and suggestions for this podcast. So write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's vcubic at gmail.com. V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.